Greetings and good evening, everyone. Listeners, boys, girls, and uh, welcome to Music, Movies, and Madness, uh, our little podcast. We're going to discuss a few things. Tonight is a little bit different to the other shows we've done. So you're in for a bit of a roller coaster ride. There's all sorts of stuff going to happen, man. It's going to be... It's going to be so interesting. I'm nervous. Uh, I'm very yeah, nervous. I think we're all a bit nervous, but I'd like right. to uh, introduce the panel. Glenn, hi. Right on, brother. Right on. Martin. Yep. Yo. David. Hello, Ian. Hey, man. How are yous? Okay. So uh, this week, we I have chosen as the host to do a show with all the M's. So we're doing Motown... And we're doing musicals. Oh, I see. Now I know the and, connection. Well, there was no real connection. That was movie, exactly, movie. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's well, my point. Actually, actually, doing a bit of research, there is. Of course, a, there is. There, there is a connection because there is a musical, the Motown musical, um, that Barry Gordy. Uh, it's, it's based on his book of his life, there and truncated, and it's packed full of songs that we all know and love. However, it's all little truncated versions of them, unfortunately. But anyway, there is a link between the two. And there is also The Wiz, right? Who? The, what? The, the Wiz, that Wizard of Oz one with Diana Ross and Michael Jackson and that. There is quite a lot. It's terrible. Now, if you start digging in, there's quite a few. Diana Ross plays Dorothy. He never said it was good. Disclaimer right there. I thought if I thought if if I removed the obvious links, it would create a bit of mayhem, and I think I succeeded because <laughs> all week the boys have been emailing a message back and forth like, "Oh shit, don't know what to do." Ah! <laughs> it's like meltdown. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do, listeners, is we're going to start the show by diving straight into um, the Motown side of things. So I asked the boys to sort of. Go over uh, Motown albums. They, they chose songs if they wanted to do songs. And the main reason for doing Motown, there was a bit of a method in the madness, is it's, an, it's a genre we've not really touched hugely on. We've sort of scooted over it a bit. It's a genre I don't know much about because I don't listen too much of it. Is, is it a genre or is it a, it's a label, way? Eh? The label. It's a label. It's it's Barry well, Gordy's label, eh? Well, let's discuss let's discuss Motown. So uh -huh. the birth of the Detroit sound. So exactly. Let's discuss and, and our listeners can learn something and, and myself. Is it a, it's a label? Uh is it subgenres? I mean there's a lot of crossover, right? You've got the sort of R and B as in like the old school. Don't know. Rhythm and blues. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a it's a yeah. label that had so many different sort of genres that sort of fell into it, um, but started off particularly as a pop side of things. To you know, a, again, a chance a label for black artists to actually put out their music, um, mm -hmm. which was very important. And then you've got. Um, you know, it was all led out of Barry Gordy's sort of hit factory, and it was one of the few. No, he labels. was the man. He was the man. Yeah, he was pushing it. And he, mm. It was one of the few labels that actually competed on the charts when the British invasion turned up. It was one of the few that could hold its own against that the onslaught of stuff in America. 
um, such as its power. So it was a it was an important a, important label and sound, really. Oh yeah, absolutely one of the most important labels ever. Because what came off it? Everything. Hmm. So you, from that you're getting what Northern Soul, Funk, Soul, everything. R and B, yeah. R and B, some R and B as we know it anyway. Yeah. Psychedelic soul, hip hop, <laughs> flip flops. Yeah, you're getting, yep. you're getting, you're mm. a whole lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. The definition of Motown. Uh, so, looking on Wikipedia, I'll oh, give me, give me your thoughts on this, boys. Okay. Wikipedia says uh, it defines Motown as strong rhythm, layered instruments, strong hooks, brass organs, and using the Kiss principle, which is obviously simple, stupid. stupid. Agree or disagree? Yeah, agree. They're all components of it. Martin? What's a brass organ? A brass organ is a bit like a brass monkey. It's oh, a- one of those. <laughs> yep. In fact, a brass monkey plays a brass organ. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> the heart, um, they're they're yeah. extremely hard. You know what? I, I, I was like dead cert. On, I, as soon as you said Motown, I was like, awesome. I know what I'm going to do like straight away. Bang, bang, bang. I thought mm-hmm. like, Aretha Franklin, fantastic. I'll pick a, an Aretha album. She's not mm. Motown. She's on Atlantic, eh? Mm. It's not a Motown. Now, this is interesting. Uh-huh. Now, so do you, would you class her as a Motown artist to you? No. She's I'm not Atlantic. asking you. I'm asking Matt. Oh, sorry. Okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, Barry Gordy actually does cite her as a Motown artist in, in his, like, eulogy to her he, apparently he said that she was she was one of us so there you go well this is interesting because this all comes to that how far do you want to explore something which we all do quite well on the show we do make an effort for you listeners and we get stuck into something you know so if you deep dive into some of the stuff that's when you start to crop up with that exactly what you've just said there martin isn't it right mm. um it yeah, starts sure. to get very interesting you know when does it stop being a label when does it start being a genre mm. when well there's when or does it oh it's a full moon tonight isn't it <laughs> blood yeah. moon yeah, yeah tomorrow yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so motown albums I think we'll we'll kick off looking at my screen. We'll start from top and work our way down the bottom. So, David Chan, you are gonna start the show. Okay, all right. Um, so I went for uh, an album which I I own on vinyl. Uh, I'm proud to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I first got into this artist back uh, when at uni days, actually, um, through through a best of compilation. Oh. Um, I don't even know what made me buy it, but I think it was a couple of so a couple of the duets on there, and um, through that, just uh, got to know a bit more about the artist, and um, and then found uh, this gem of a record, which you know it's a bit like uh, you know Pet Sounds or Sergeant Pepper, you know it's always been out there, and you kind of always know it's around, but it's until, not until you actually get in, stuck in and listen to it and go, eh. Actually, 
give it give it it's um give it a fair hearing that you realize how how wonderful it is um so i've gone with what's going on by marvin gay which is on motown um interestingly enough uh wikipedia says it's the first album to credit uh, uh the motown well, motown they had a as a label they had a, an in-house studio band which i guess you do um so it's the first album to credit them um the band's known as the funk brothers pretty cool name um and it's considered progressive soul r&b symphonic pop psychedelic soul if there's such a thing psychedelic um, soul yeah, yeah i don't know if there's much psychedelic stuff on there uh, it's, it's Hey. <laughs> I'm trying so, to make that out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's psychedelic. It certainly it came out in 1971, right? Um, mm. It's his 11th studio album um, by Marvin Gaye. Uh, it's it's after his sort of Tammy Terrell, which is a lot of the duets that I really got into back in the day. Um, it's it's after all the stuff he did in the 60s. I mean, 11th studio album by 71. This guy was a machine. Um, he has an amazing voice, right? Four octaves. Uh, he's up there with Freddie Mercury in terms of his range. He he's got he's just got great set of lungs. Um, can really belt it out. And uh, it had a real um, uh, yeah. So what's going on is the obviously the name of the album, but also the title, uh, the first track uh, on the album. Um, there's a song on there. I don't know if you guys know it. Do you know uh, "Mercy Mercy Me" the ecology song? Mm. Oh, it's just a. Stunningly good tune. Uh, I want to play some shortly. Um, it and uh, Ian, you said before that one of the sort of one of the elements of Motown was um, keeping it simple. Mm. Uh, I think they've kept it simple, but I've, they've also it's also very clever. Um, this song in particular, I, I you know, it's one of those songs you look, you think, why is it so good? Like it's it's kind of it's swingy, so it's got a bit of jazz kind of funk to it, but it's also got layers and layers and layers and you really listen hard and you go there's got to be five or six layers of things going on here um and you've got to, you kind of really do have to focus on the baseline and go well that's really clever and it's all over the place and it can be all over the place because it's a very slow song it's a four by f- a four four time signature but it's done at about 80 beats per minute just under one beat a second so um quite slow but it feels a lot faster mm. and a lot more upbeat mm-hmm. and for you uh musos out there the rhythm of the song is quite clever. The drum beat is a slow 4-4, which leaves room for a fairly active bass drum beat. The guitar actually carries a loose 16th beat. And if you listen to the guitar and the track I'm going to play, you'll know what they're saying. 16th beat. So it's really quick, jangly guitar in the background, sort of funky, jangly sort of sound, accentuated by offbeat guitar chords. Um, piano mostly lays down the chord changes on the one beat, and the bass guitar is the star in the song. So see if you can pick up some of that stuff going on in there. It's it's like I said, it's it's like an onion. It's like layers, layers, and layers. <laughs> Psychedelic we like, onion. We all like onions, yeah. So this is the like. ecology song. Do you know what it's about? Don't know what it's about. I've heard it. 1971, It's about fucking up the environment. Mm. Yeah, he was way ahead of his time. It was all about. Um, you know, he's talking about uh, fish with merc- mercury and you know, in the fish and fuck, just screwing with the environment, right? I mean, this is '71, and the guy, the guy wrote the song, and it's just yeah, it's such a clever piece of music. Right on. Whoa, oh, mercy, mercy me. 
feels like a lot faster than what it actually is um listen to that listen to the drums there like that snare mm, drum it yeah, sounds yeah, like yeah. a squash core yeah <laughs> yeah they describe it as um sort of raindrops it's like pop. yeah totally yeah. um yeah it's a very cool song i'll just i mean how do you yeah how do you write a song about you know ecology breaking down and make it so groovy yeah i know it's just like man I've never listened to the lyrics of that before. Oh. In fact, the first time I heard that song was a Julio Iglesias version, I think. Yeah. I remember Not... the, uh, wow. the Robert Palmer one. Oh, yeah. The who? Yeah, Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer did it. Robert oh, did Palmer. he? That version, yeah. So, What's the name of the album that you chose, Dave? It's What's Going On. So it's the... Right. Um, it is actually What's Going On, and What's Going On uh, mm -hmm. is the next song I'm playing. He probably sampled his own music. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Hey, brother. Oh, oh, sit back, relax. Put your feet up. Grab that drink. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Mm. Brother, brother, brother. Mm, yeah. Stay with us, Glenn. You look like you're gonna you chilling, mate. You look like you're really chilling. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father. Yeah, man. So that's what I went for. We don't need to mm. escalate. Tell you that, plenty going on, mate. Plenty going on. Yeah. Marvin super taste super tasty the drums sound amazing they the bass it. drum just yeah soft and just beautiful man damn. yep damn so damn. yeah that was my bit my bit of motown for the night I love thank that. you awesome. brother thank you mate when martin's next to my screen hit it martin right okay. on yeah um so i have up with an album that i don't own um, but I had a lot of fun listening to it today. Um, so I've gone with, um, I don't know, probably, probably one of the most, uh, well, I was going to say, well, the, the biggest Motown artist, probably, uh, I've gone with the Jackson Five. Oh yeah. Um, and I've gone with the debut album. Not ABC. Oh, yeah. As much as I love ABC. So this is uh, Diana Ross Presents the Jackson Five is the name of the album. <laughs> but apparently she didn't. 
and um, didn't have anything to do with it. But apart from the fact that they put a name on the front album cover, oh, Barry Gordy, he knew a good thing when he was yeah, on that's cool. That's that's marketing. That's <laughs> yeah, marketing. Yeah. Um, and um, mm. Joe Jackson, um, the the dad, actually later on actually said that he actually um, wanted to thank Gladys Knight because Gladys Knight was the one who kind of like bent Barry Gordy's ear to, in order for him to get a meeting to get them signed. So Diana Ross taking all the credit, but um, apparently had nothing to do with it. Nothing to she do with Diana. On the back of the album. How dare she? amazing yeah um yeah you know what i i I mean the reason this album kind of speaks to me or or kind of like you know obviously i want you back um it's just an amazing oh yeah good song what a track Mm. brilliant brilliant song um they um it was it was kind of barry gordy had been given that song to use for a different artist and um uh it was called um who's loving who oh, no who's loving you sorry originally um mm. but they basically rewrote it with uh with another songwriter and um at the end of that it came out as um yeah i want you back which went to number one and um actually knocked the beatles off number one uh, wow took out let it be oh, thank one. god for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I must agree. I must agree. I'm um, a big fan of that. So the album spent, it got to number five on the US album charts and it spent nine weeks at number one on the R&B and the black album charts. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was a, a huge, huge hit. Um, yeah. So in terms of songs, it's actually interesting because so many of them on this album are actually covers um, as was the norm really at that kind of time when you look you know the other artists i was kind of considering this week were, were ones that i've already covered which is why i didn't go for them which would, be, would have been stevie wonder and ray charles so um but even even with them if you look back on some of their early albums you know they're full of covers um and there's actually a stevie wonder cover on here my sherry sherry moore is on here um there's a Smokey robinson cover um i think it's the temptations cover um so there's quite a lot going on Bizarrely, there's also a cover of Zippity Doodah. <laughs> That'll be Michael. Yeah. I've got um, an idea, guys. Pretty, I've got an idea, guys. Still, I've got to say, <laughs> well, I'm not going to play that one, though. Um, one I am going to play you is um, the first one I'm going to play is called Who's Loving Who. Um, just It's just got this really cool uh, Fender Roads book going at the start with this bluesy hook. And then Who's Loving Who? So, um, yeah, let's see if we can give a blast to some of this. Come on.
Yeah, but how does a nine-year-old have the blues that bad? <laughs> yeah, man, I was, I, I was just that totally, much salt. Nah, totally. I tell you what, I was look, looking at my son, I was going, "Hang on, he was Ethan's age, actually younger." So I was like, "Hey, boy, pick your game up, mate. Come on." <laughs> yeah, that, that's when somebody nicks your Lego and you're really down, man. Yeah, yeah. You take your Lego and you. Your well, you, puppy stand, dies. you stand on a piece of Lego yeah. until you get that octave. Damn. Yeah. Somebody nicks you, yo yo. It's pretty convincing for a young fella. He sounded yeah. good, didn't he? Amazing. Didn't he? Amazing. Yeah, yeah, Jackson was amazing. Uh, you, know? Totally. you know, I mean, you can say what about what you want about him in later years, but like back then. Oh, well, I was actually referring to old. his father. I was thinking about his dad. <laughs> Poor boy. <laughs> True. Yeah, what he went through. There's a lot of drama in that family. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> too, you know, too much. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I, I mean, think he was. We, we, you, you listen to him; he sounds amazing in it. But you know, God knows what he had to bloody yeah. endure as a young, as a as a kid to to uh, live up to his parents' expectations, particularly his father. Well, he, he ended up having no childhood, and that's part of the problem. Wrote a song about it, didn't he? If I recall, but let's not end on a down. <laughs> But then he also wrote a song about a rat, so, you know. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> what one's yeah. that? Yeah. Ben. Ben. You What's know ben? ben? No, I don't know Ben. Ben's a song about a rat. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's why I love these podcasts. I learned so much good shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, It's a song about his pet rat. Oh, yes, so it is. Before today. Yeah. Before his best friend. Oh, my bubble. God. Their music video is actually, oh, my God. And find the um, <laughs> find find the dance remix of it. It's really quite good. Wow. It's, it's not. It's, I'm Only joking. Seventy two. Oh my god! <laughs> it's a film. Someone's made a film. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Martin, sorry. carry on. Where 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 are we at? You were digressing. It's okay. We've digressed uh, completely. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> listeners. Right, right Martin. Uh, no, I'm just going to get straight into this one. I'm going to play this one yes. because it's just sort of gold all the way through. Here we go. Stop it. I absolutely hate to stop it. Ooh. But I absolutely right. That goes on. Um, yeah, listeners, it, it's a good job we don't kind of do video because you would have just seen like four middle-aged men. Quite <laughs> 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 embarrassing. Um, it's not and, a good that, song. Just, yeah. It's just such a cool tune. Such yeah. a cool tune. And, and that bass line every time, it's just yeah. got the groove. Something wrong. Um, props to whoever played piano on that as well, because I, I was trying to work it out earlier, and it's the mm. chord changes are so hard. 
it's so quick and, and really difficult chord changes going on in it. And to put that left, that bass in running underneath it at the same time, really, really full on. Um, but learn, yeah, oh, learn yeah. the guitar, but instead it just goes ding, 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 right all the way front. through the whole song. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> why is, why like, easier? Right up the front, at the front of the mix, right? Yeah. It's the, it's the yeah. only thing you can, if that's the first thing you hear is that jangling guitar. Which is, you should. That's correct. That's yeah. how it should be. <laughs> With every song ever written. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just happiness on a stick, really. It's just... it's a whole album like that. No, it's got some downbeats on it. Um, you know, yeah. there's a few kind of like pretty pretty sappy ballads. To be honest, it doesn't really um have that kind of group the first track on it and, and a couple of the tracks um are, are quite upbeat as i say surprisingly that zippity doodah has actually got quite a bit of funk to it <laughs> which i would not have expected in a million years um but yeah um i think they kind of like obviously got into the groove more when, when abc came out and that, that mm. second album and they kind of found that their niche a little bit more um there's definitely elements of you know, Barry Gordy called it bubblegum soul. Mm. Uh, that's how he described them, the bubblegum sound. Um, and, you know, and there's elements of like doo-wop in there as well. You're listening mm. to the harmonies and the backing vocals, mm. and that's all in there. So they obviously kind of like were influenced by a lot of that stuff going on at the time. Um, yeah, I, I, you know. I think from the age of... Mood, you, you know, you stick that on, you can't help but be happy, yeah. really. And I think I from the, if you go from the age of like that album there when he was about three to the next one when he was about eight, you've grown a bit. You can put a bit more substance in your music, right? Totally. So, but yeah. Are you, do you regret reviewing that album instead of a Stevie Wonder one? Uh, no, because like I've done both now. I've had my mm. cake and eaten it. <laughs> you fat <laughs> bastard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And that shall swiftly move down to Mr. Thurston. Right, oh, right. on. Right on. Um, well, we I, will pick, I will pick up and do Stevie Wonder. Um, Very <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Uh, I know. Uh, I picked um, Talking Book, um, 1972 album by Stevie Wonder. Um, and I must admit, the whole Motown thing, I don't, you know, I probably need to do a lot more digging and a lot more listening. I think I've heard for like the hits and things, but I don't think I've done deep dive on albums and mm. probably talking book is one of the few that I've got that is probably an entryway into it. And you can think, um, think that wonderful movie, um, high fidelity, oh, yeah. um, because that introduced me to a couple of songs on there. And it's amazing how much we pick up from movies and soundtracks and stuff like that. And you go, Oh yeah, I'll go and have a listen to this. So I'll play a first mm. song. Um, and I'll just link that up now. It's always hard when you've like got people watching you, eh, for this bit. It's all right, mate. Magic. We're editing. a podcast. Nobody's magic. watching us. The magic of it. <laughs> we will share in the joys of caring. Must never end, and with the strength we 
can't be erased When the truth and love are planned and firm They won't be hard to find And the words of love I speak to you Will echo in my mind They don't hard to turn it off, but oh. um, that you know that's... what the end of that track when it gets into that real dirty funk groove, yeah, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, Stevie that's Wonder, funny. amazing, dirty funk groove, amazing, and, and yeah, oh. we we're just talking about before when um, you know, the, the growth of Michael Jackson and the and his crew sort of growing older. This is really the start of sort of um having a young Stevie Wonder having much more artistic freedom from um, the Motown um, sound or label or, and was actually on um, Tempala or Tem- Templar, which is another Templar. sort of Templar. That's a, is a um, sub label of Motown. And, um, you know, he's going from that youthful sort of prodigy as we all sort of know. I mean, what is this? this is what millionth record, just like um, <laughs> that we had before with uh, Marvin Gaye. Um, and for him, it was, what did he say? He, he, speaking in 2000, he said, um, it wasn't so much that I want to say anything, except I just want to express various things that I felt, the political point of view that I have, social point of view, passions, emotion, and love that I felt, compassion, and the fun of love that I felt, and the beginning of the the whole joyful love and the pain of love. So, yeah, he's really got, you know, that, that sound um, of a man that's been in love, fallen out of love, back in love, the usual sort of um, rock and roll sort of human experience, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And when and- I listen to those songs, I find it really hard not to sing. I just, you just want to sing them, right? It's like the Jacksons. You just want to sing it. Mm. Man. That That's the sign of a good song. Yeah. And that was the, that was the, that piece of music was for the credits of the, um, high fidelity mm. movie. And I was like watching it and it's a great, it's, it's a really right. cool film. Um, yeah. And they're watching and go, oh man, that's a damn good song. song. And it's not one of the hits. And you go, oh, I wonder what that's from. So you go digging around. <laughs> oh, right. Stevie Wonder. All right. All right. Maybe Saw Talking Book, oh, reasonable, reasonable Price When Vinyl was good and went, damn, I'll get that. And the whole thing, wow, this is pretty damn awesome. So, that's, And that's the first time I've heard that song through headphones now. It's the first yeah, time same. I've actually noticed how like strong the bass sound is it a, a real bass or is it fretless no, or synth no, no, well, or what is it he's he's bloody all over the show he's one of those guys that i think is probably a musical genius um he it's... plays everything he plays everything on that song lead vocal background vocal piano clavinet, whatever. Hovercraft. yeah drums and a moog bass 
Moog bass. Well, that's a synth. Moog bass, yeah. So right. everything, the whole lot. He does the whole lot on that song. He, there's three CD albums. There's, there's Talking mm. Book, um, Fulfilling This Final Finale, or whatever it's called. And yeah, Innovation. Innovation, yeah. 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 But, and, and those kind of like four or three or four, um, he, he got into synths, synthesizers in a really big way. And he, he teamed up with two guys who had this modular synth that was the size of a house basically mm. with tonto <laughs> <laughs> and these two guys went out as a band and, and were called tonto's amazing headband or something exploding oh. headband um which kind of gets to the feel but stevie spent hours like weeks months years just tweaking this thing and, and farting mm. around with it to get the most squelchy funky sounds out of it yeah and and they're all over those those three albums and it, and it's 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 so of its time and so that sound you know all of that funk stuff you know he's got amazing musicians the bass player that he plays with, with, with the session player he had was a was solid anyway sounded great but he just put that sub bass that as you say like using the, the moog bass and and this uh tonto thing and the layer that he got out of it it just took that groove so deep it's you know you feel it almost more than you hear it sometimes yeah, I mean, this this album didn't have as much of that on it compared to those other ones that you're referring to. It's probably why I prefer it a little bit more over them. I mean, we're talking about small things here, aren't we? Um, but yeah, no, I yeah, he seems to just whatever music just there's seems nothing to flow wrong with through. Small I mean, things. there's nothing wrong with small no, things. No, <laughs> right. So I'll play you one more song. Um, Thank you, Ian. You're right. <laughs> You're welcome. And um, I imagine you'll know this one straight away. Because this is Thriller. Who comes up with the groove like that? JD Wonder. And they're not horns, man. Oh, oh, what did you do that for? Fuck. <laughs> probably, probably the best song intro ever. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's right up. It's yes. horns, man. <laughs> Everything so about it's amazing. That clever, and, man. Yeah, know, and, uh, and again, it's the same thing. Lead vocal. He's on lead vocal. The clavinet, drums, uh, moog bass. Okay. And then you've got a tenor sax and a trumpet um, from a couple of other dudes. But, um, yeah, and brass when it kicks in just rocks eh? And again, like I, I sat there for hours and hours listening to that song thinking, how the hell is he doing that? Like, how is he actually playing that? Mm. And then I found out that it's actually he didn't. <laughs> he like, laid it up. <laughs> Six takes on top of each other with that <laughs> Yeah. 
And I'm like, yeah. If it's I mean, any con, I lay down at the altar of Stevie Wonder when it comes to stuff like that. It's amazing. That's just stunning. Mm. He's changing. Any consolation, Martin? He can't play the trumpet, so don't worry. Yes, he can't <laughs> play that or the saxophone. That we all the sax. So shit, basically. No. I mean, yeah. <laughs> all right, and and that was my pick. But yeah, I do. Feel, but I, but I do feel that I need to go and do uh, uh, Good news is it's all there waiting for us. We'll just go. Yeah. But I think for any 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 of the listeners, Martin, you're going to say something. Say it. Yeah, it's just really, really quick. The, yep. the best version of Superstition, go on YouTube, Stevie Wonder on Sesame Street in Superstition. I, I, I mm. kid you not, it's, it's like a 12-minute Super Jam version of it, oh, all live nice. with the whole band. And I'm pretty sure they slipped Big Bird some acid. Because all of the kids are absolutely tripping out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> As of the band. There was so really heavy bit oh, of smoke that day. Fuck it, I'm doing it now. I'm going, I'm going there right now. I'm not waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. Because it was bird. Bird was the word. And the word is bird. Oh, him and Mr. Snuffleupagus. <laughs> oh, hilarious. <laughs> all right, we're digressing, guys. Yeah, we're digressing. On, the show's going to go on forever. I think for the listeners, um, it's very important that um i would say from what we've just heard if you're gonna check out motown a lot of people see don't listen to motown i mean glenn just like you said there i'm exactly the same and know the hits never really so i think if you if you're like us in that respect i think stevie wonder's definitely one of the names you've got to get into right yeah okay Yeah, great. Stuff yeah. I've listened to all week. It doesn't really sound that Motowny, but it's got oh. the same it's got the same thing I've got with the album I've got, which is classed as Motown, but I actually oh, I don't know. I think, you know, it it really leans itself to a little bit of other stuff. So I asked Marvin Gaye, but I went for the Let's Get It On album. Oh, which was the album after David's album? Yeah, yeah. what? what? <laughs> and on. yeah, I, and it's quite an interesting album because for me, I've always thought of Marvin Gaye as a Motown artist, but this album, I don't know, man. I think he's definitely crossing over into soul. I want to say bit of funk. This is quite. This is something going on. It's not as jingly jangly as the Motowny stuff, hmm. you know. He's got musical freedom now. He's grown up. Mm. He's he's moved out of the you know the oh what was that the hit factory type thing, and he's got he's got his own space now, just like Stevie and a few of those others as I'm sort of moving into adulthood, eh? Which is really cool. Yeah, it's it's it's. I found it a very interesting, a very interesting album. And without further ado, I'm just going to get straight in here. And.
Oh, damn. I know. You know listeners, like, if you're, in, if, if you're feeling, if you're in the mood, stick that on and you're going to get some. <laughs> <laughs> and jump Even on. Even self-love. Yeah. But you're going to get some. You stick okay. Yeah. I think, I think probably the best song ever, maybe. I mean, I, I just, it's perfect it's just for me. It's six. It's perfect tempo. It's got good lyric. It's got a good mix. It's got a good yeah. feel. The arrangement's amazing. It was co-written. I didn't know that, but it was co-written by with a guy called Ed Townsend. I thought it was a Marvin Gaye song, but they collabed, and uh, that was the result. Fantastic. Uh, Motown. Mm, I think it's a bit more soul for myself, but um, yeah. Uh, you know, beautiful song. I did, um, I was quite excited actually to, to review some Motown because it's, it's, it's unfamiliar ground. So I did a bit of a deep dive into the album. I got, you know, really read up about it. And it's a great album. Marvin Gaye's awesome. This is a great album, really, from start to finish. It's a bit of a concept album. The album's called Let's Get It On. And it's also a very sad album really really sad album because um i think for marvin gay at the time it was a paradox of his life so read up about it and just i'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your minds but he was basically the sexiest man at the time in you know in music and stuff and then bringing out a song like this and an album like this uh, and the full album's really seductive, you know. It's risky, it's sexy, it's raunchy, it's good, uh, especially for that sort of day. Uh, but at that point of his career, he was divorced, remarried, unhappy. He was also impotent and sorting through his issues uh, because he was physically abused by his father. And yeah, and yeah. a lot of these songs were a way for him to express him coming to terms with, because um, his father was also a preacher, so he lost his faith, he lost his lost hope in religion, faith, Christianity. Um, so he he was a very troubled man, and uh, but through the music, he that was his outlet, obviously, and he had found. Uh, another religion which was i think was called the house of god uh the Pent pentecostal is it yeah so it's a jewish religion and if you remember that if you remember the album cover let's get it on he's he's in his green jacket and he's got a sort of iconic orange hat woolly hat thing on which is not just a woolly hat it's actually a kufi so that's to represent this new religion he found to get through stuff but yeah the most sexiest guy and he was not there man that was uh let's get it on is actually written about um come to terms with um dealing with all that and really more focused on the religion not the sex side and he talks about in the sleeve notes about how he felt about sex and stuff it's a very interesting album deep so yeah i, th I thought i'd blow your brains how do you feel about that yeah, I knew well, nothing of that. I know his old man was an uh, an ass, but mm. well, he wow. shot him. Yeah, I know. Mm. He shot Terrible. his son. He abused his son. Like, and then mm. 
beat him, him, starved him, abused him, and then he shot him at 40-something years old. Yeah. yeah. And his, yeah. And it's it's a tragic story, right? But, I mean, from, you know, is it a, an example that, how many times have you heard this through music, that, that, that from all that tragedy comes this beautiful, amazing music that they can gift and share, you know, to the world? And uh, and he shared this wonderful little gift with us as well. This is called "Come Get to This." Beautiful. Mm. And that's, you know, that's the, that's, uh, is off the um, Let's Get It On album. I think the album's only about 30 something minutes long. It's short, short as, man. But I think if you're going to get a, a Marvin Gaye album, this is a real cracker. I think it's, that for me is a bit more Motown y, that soundy song. Um, but I, yeah, interesting album. So yeah, that that brings us to a wrap with all the album stuff. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Some great songs. There. Possibly the yeah. first time we've had a double header, where we've both chosen yeah. the same artist. That's because we are awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin's awesome. Marvin's awesome. Uh, what a talent. So we're going to move on to musicals now for our listeners. Yeah, so man. I, pre- I prepared a little intro. Martin smiling. <laughs> yeah, I, I prepared a little intro in the style of the uh, Phantom of the Opera. Okay, <laughs> just brace yourselves. This is the part of the show when we talk about musicals. That's the best I could do. That's all you got. Thank you. Way awesome. Follow up with that. I never got the part. How do you follow that? (laughs) How do you follow that? Michael Crawford shitting himself. (laughs) (laughs) Betty, Betty. That's that's just his age. That's not my singing. (laughs) Musicals. Why would anybody choose musicals? Why would anyone choose musicals? Well, and that's exactly why I chose it. I wanted to uh, get the boys here for Alice's. I wanted to get the guys to explore the more creative musical side of them. Okay, so I wanted them to go and experiment a little bit and get stuck in, because I know it's out of their comfort zones a little bit, a couple of them. So I thought, right, we've never done anything like this before. They're an important part of music. So let's begin the reviews. We'll go in the reverse order. Glenn Thurston, I think. Right, but you okay. would Well, I'll go last. I'll go. Last. I'm nice like that. All right. Okay. 
let me play a song. I think that'd be a good way to start this particular thing. Oh yeah. I think let's yeah. let's go with this. You're gonna bring Wake us straight in. On roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Cream-coloured ponies and crisp apple strudels, doorbells and sleigh bells and schnitzel with noodles, wild geese that fly with the moon on their wings. These are a few of my favourite things. Girls in white dresses with blue satin sashes, snowflakes that stay on my nose and eyelashes, silver-white winters that melt into springs. These are a few of my favourite things. Quite possibly the only time ever in the history of podcasts has Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On been followed up by that. Well, you know, but these are a few of my favourite things. Um, I was just trying to compute. Okay. Well, we've got Rogers and Hammerstein um, and their amazingly, massively popular Sound of Music from 1959, mm. which was enormously hugely popular around the world um i mean what's not to like in a story about you know nuns and nazis i mean what's not to like about nuns and nazis eh Um, yeah exactly potentially villains on all parts however the nuns in this case are rather nice um straight but nice um and it's you know based on the story the the singing von trapp family as they escape the nazi villain horde from their home in austria climbing every mountain over the hill and security anyway um i chose sound of music for some emotional not emotional reasons more sentimental reasons i suspect Mm. Uh, i'm like martin i'm not the world's biggest sort of musical fan because a lot of it comes across as super cheesy however there's a lot of magic hooks and songs and and they always used to put sound of music on generally at christmas time and it was always on tv and it's like ah oh, we'll put sound of music on for nana all right sound of music on was on for nana and you're like no not sound of music <laughs> Because, you know, the other movie that they also had on afterwards was often Star Wars. And you'd be like, oh, I want to watch Star Wars. I don't want to watch Star Wars. Um, and But you ended up, believe it or not, these songs from Sound of Music just seemed to have stuck. Um, and when we were in London on a, on a holiday and we were like, I was said to Bron, you know, look, we're here. I'm not really into this sort of thing, but Bron likes it. And I said, we should still go to a show. And she's like, well, what do you want to go and see? And we looked at all these musicals and all these sort of new fashion ones where they just pay rubbish things like Wicked and stuff like that. And I thought, no, Mm -hmm. I want to see a proper old school musical, you know, a classic Rogers Hammerstein or something like that. And there was a new production of the um, Sound of Music playing at the Royal Palladium. Um, beautiful old theatre that had been done up um, and the Beatles have played there so I'm like man I want to go to there because the Beatles played there right um, <laughs> and it was one of the big draw cards and guess what there were Beatles pictures on the wall from when they played there I mean it was you know the Beatles are legends um, and you know what it was one of the most magic evenings out we got upgraded to the Royal Circle and it was an exceptionally great cast although Bromman said you know Captain Von Trapp not so great on the Edelweiss 
but I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, 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 Did she? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She's picky. Um, She's a critic. A little critic. <laughs> However, that nun who, that nun, the mother superior who just slayed, she absolutely slayed, climb every mountain. Eh? It was like, here's, here's uplifted and, and that power of that song um, was awesome. Just stunning. Um, so all around um, the most enjoyable evening out. Um, and yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I would probably see more, but some of them are, yeah, pretty tedious. I'll be... Uh, honest i thought you may have gone for <laughs> it could be of course yeah. it could be that's singing right that's singing yeah, and, it uh, is a story it, it yeah, is story. but i was like too precious and went no no it's a, it's oh. a <laughs> love it i know i love know it, it's probably the episode on rock opera <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I nerded out on that. So, but, but I went with more of this because it reminded me of my nana, um, and and also that really great night of going to that amazing theatre, um, um, and having lots of fun. Yeah, it surprised me. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. And I think musicals have that ability to hold memories of lots of things like that. They yeah. are beautiful in that sense, right? Yeah, I mean, it had a little bit of an edge to it. I mean, you know, it had Nazis in it, for goodness sake. Um, David's just like, what the fuck? But I'll tell you, there's, there's, uh, there's elements I don't, I struggle with, and it's sometimes the dancing and the fake yeah. smiles and the yeah. fake the fake acting, and it's just yeah. like, oh, I don't know about that part. Anyway, and and yeah. the movie, the movie's got um, Julie Andrews in it, who's awesome. Yeah. And hot, yeah. Yeah. She's and she got right. five, she was really 10, wasn't it? Wasn't it with um, Glenn, yeah. cheers for that, mate. We um, <laughs> got a couple minutes left on this one, so we'll start off with uh, who was who was next in reverse order? Martin. <laughs> it's not Martin. that I wasn't paying attention, that was Martin. <laughs> Martin hit me with your rhythm stick. No spoilers. <laughs> Until recently, I was actually in that boat as well. I hadn't seen it all the way through. Um, but I have a, a love-hate relationship with Chris. Oh. And um, okay. 
the reason the reason why is um, as a teenager we did it as our school play, and ah. I was in the orchestra, so um. I was playing in the orchestra for it. And um, I, I we spent like four months, five months learning these songs, and began to like really, really detest them, really hated them. By the time we got to actually doing the show, but. I don't know. You know what, like Glenn said about this idea that like, music was being really cheesy and and a bit, you know, drama schooly and a bit, bit try hard. This is this definitely falls into that category. Like you know, it, this is if it was a cheese, it would be a Stilton right now. <laughs> it, it's pretty cheesy. Um, it's, it's some dark uh, story you know points to it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, like reading about it tonight, the original musical came out in seventy-one. The movie came out in seventy-eight. The musical was actually a hell of a lot more raunchy, a lot ruder. Um, one of the words used to describe it was vulgar. Um, wow, that sounds really interesting. Pretty full on, apparently. It's quite hardcore. Nice. Um, yeah, and some of that did translate down, but over the years. I tell you what, what it is with Greece, why I kind of have the love-hate thing, because the songs are actually bloody good. Mm. You can't deny it, right? You're like that song is great. Most of those songs are, are pretty catchy, even like the the ones that have been played a billion billion times and overplayed to death. They're still pretty well constructed. They're really well played. They're really well performed. But it's the fact, I, you know, I would happily watch the movie and listen to it and probably quite enjoy it. But it's the billion and billion, billions of cover versions <laughs> and <laughs> pissed up karaoke versions of You're the One I Want that's put me off. That bit I, where they all sort of start screaming and yelling. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. that awful bit at the end of that song. What's it you called? Know, yeah. Oh, you guys sound like a bunch of old men. Oh. What do you mean? I've always hated that final part. Summer loving. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you talking about, Paul? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, as I say, yeah, love-hate relationship. With, yeah, so that song, Grease is the Word. I mean, that was written by the Bee Gees, you know. Uh, it's um, mm-hmm. interesting, really. You know, it's got, it's got some pedigree behind it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to play you a second one. This is one of the ones that I really hate. I detest this song. Oh, thanks for playing it. <laughs> I'm going to play it anyway. So here we go.
I, rem I remember. Oh. I remember when we used to go out. Oh, that sounds tragic. But they used to do that awful. <laughs> there used to be this this awful edit where they had a bit of that and another one, and then it ended. There was a Mega Mix. Loving. Yes, there was a Grease Mega Mix. Oh, it was truly hideous. Please yeah. don't. And I, I bet you danced to it every time you were no, like, no, no. Oh, I actually, on, I used to go away, and um, I remember. Brahman and others would say, "Come on up, come on up," and I'm like, "No, definitely." Well, they're floor fillers. They're floor fillers. They're written for that, and they do the job well. Yeah, I just don't like it. That's fair enough. You don't have to. It's cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, Martin. So, would you recommend watching the 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 watching the musical or not really bypass it? It depends really on your mood. Hmm. If you're happy. I'm thinking. I'm thinking oh. of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in, I'm intrigued. You've got nothing to lose. Why not? Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. I definitely will probably give it a go. Yeah. It's, well, there you go. No, I, I, the, the thing that intrigues me is this idea of like the earlier raunchier version of it. I'd, I'd be quite keen to see that one, maybe. But um, yeah. yeah, no, it doesn't do it for me. Okay. Next. Well, no. Well, thanks. Thanks for giving it a will, Dave. What have you got for us tonight, man? Right, well... Oh, that's a big sign. <laughs> well, the only thing I can think of to follow up that with, uh, something like this. I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man. Oh, i got to love him. Oh, i better stop it. Uh, oh, hilarious. It's on the feet. <laughs> It's on repeat. I can't stop it. That's it. Guys. Your whole review is going to be that. <laughs> stop it. Oh, fuck. I've got my back Spencer on repeat. Okay. So you might have guessed I went with the Phantom of the Opera. Um, because it's got Frank Spencer in it. Yeah. <laughs> Depends which right. version. No, Depends which version. I love Frank yep. Spencer. Hey, I absolutely adored watching that as a kid. It was my favorite comedy by no, I, I know miles. it was. You loved it so oh, much. I you could even. It. I remember you. Oh. I remember you taking taking a off. Hey, Betty. Fuck the episode Betty. where he's trying to go on a holiday and he's booked a hotel and he's ripped the bloody carpet of the hotel and he puts a hole in the floor and. He ends up destroying the hotel. <laughs> it's it's the so one where he's on the roller skates on the back of the bus. That's, oh, that's yeah. yeah. Um, Michael Crawford, <laughs> genius. Um, Phantom. So it's a bit edgy. Uh, you can read up all the shit on, on, online about it. Yes, it's really popular. It's probably the, it's one of the biggest, longest running musicals ever um, on both um, Broadway and the West End. Um I don't know, thousands, 10,000, pick a number, how many times it's been performed. But what, what I find really interesting is that when it first opened in 86, I think, um, and we know Michael Crawford is was the original Phantom, everything broke down on set, right? Shit just didn't work. So there's a scene with the boat. Is it the one on my screen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, in, mm -hmm. in the back of my screen there. Um, the, the mechanical boat would break down halfway through the show. Props would fall off. It was it was rubbish. And he got so shitty about it in, in his dressing room. Um, 
the first few um I think it might have been this didn't wasn't wasn't a quick fix. That they could actually the audience could actually hear him cursing out the back and, uh, and just go, What the fuck is this? And just absolutely and and he and he actually started to get into the character, like really get into the character. You know, the phantom living the do you know the the the, the um uh the guy that sort of lived beneath the stage in the big opera house and uh and you only ever heard him and he wasn't you know he actually got into character, which I thought was fascinating, just so cool. Mm. And um yeah, so a bit edgier, not quite as smiley face and uh cheesy as uh, some of the others that um have been spoken about, but um has obviously Sarah Brightman and Michael Crawford starring in it. Um uh, Sarah Brightman at the time uh was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber. He wrote it for her. Uh this was his big um that was it was his um breakthrough for him, but it was also uh, he wanted to launch her career, and it when it went live, she was actually suffering from a throat infection, so couldn't actually perform. Couldn't, yeah. They had to bring in a a, a substitute for the first few shows, and she had to watch. Um, but you know, she's got an amazing voice. Um, she's classically trained and all that sort of thing. Michael, the whole the score's thing. amazing. The whole musical score's amazing. Yeah, yeah, Phantom amazing. The they, yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah, he was probably at the top of his game at that point, eh? They certainly, those two became the, the leads. They became like global superstars, eh? It was Phantom Mania there for many years. I got carried away with it as well. It was massive. Yeah. Mm, it's hard yeah. not to. Yeah. Um, my only criticism is it's, it does, has dated. So the, the, um, uh, the, the, particularly the, the lead song, Phantom of the Opera, the, uh, the snare drum mm. on the <laughs> thing is just sounds it's got so much echo and shit coming off it and reverb mm. that mm. It, it just sounds horrible it sounds so 1980 something jim steinman um meatloaf fame was meant to actually be have produced this but was uh. working with bonnie tyler at the time and turned it down um he was actually first pick and um obviously uh you know this probably in hindsight this would have been the bigger gig but at the time bonnie tyler was a sure thing um you know and uh who, who want to turn down rock and roll so uh, i'm gonna put on the uh the title track but i'm gonna put on i guess my favorite part i do like the end part where uh sarah's going up fuck she's going up squillions of octaves every time and bloody just um, nailing it every time mm-hmm. but i actually like the the first part when michael becomes in just um, at the beginning and of course he's not he's not classically trained or anything he put in so much work to get his voice to where it needed to be to be able to hold his own on on the stage i mean it's not you know it's a, it's a musical about an opera but it's not an opera right so it's um, pretty opera at times though eh? yeah yeah it's 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 written to mm. be like that but it's not yeah yeah um so when i was reading up you know doing a bit of swatting on this the um questions around sarah brightman's voice she's a soprano i think and even yeah even that sounds like she's doing she's working really hard at the end there to try and get those notes um for most sopranos it should be a walk in the park um it's not written as a proper opera in terms of where it needs to where all those pitches need to be it's written um as a uh, musical that's meant to be on a story based on an opera, so uh, quite different. So, um, I mean, so it's more famous. like a more like a paddle in a boat than a walk yeah. in a 
Uh, 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 walk in the park. The boat that didn't move. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Not, <laughs> we're not when I was meant to. <laughs> Here we go. Do you have a second uh, song, Dave? No, no, just that Do you have one, a second mate. song with him? No, just that one. Oh, yeah. But what would be good for an music episode? Of the night is, music of the Night is wonderful. Music so the whole the score is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I remember stuff. loving it, eh? Yeah. I would, I would encourage listeners to go, if they're still with us at this point, to go and watch the new version of that and in fact i'd encourage you guys to watch the, the new version you mean the movie what's that yeah i saw that what, they, the movie. did they make a yeah. movie yeah. yeah in 2004 2004 they brought out a movie yeah and go and it's really good did you enjoy it man well the music's beefed up the music's beefed up and it's a bit more acting and it's it's oh, it's great oh. go and watch it what's michael crawford and then on it? tell us next time okay no no, no. Will, smith. will smith and um yeah <laughs> i don't know probably chris probably. rock chris rock and uh, <laughs> okay all right oprah all right Win and oprah winfrey all right. right next moving on here's uh, thanks dave now man my, my musical i've chosen this i'll make it brief because i'm getting bored uh what i've chosen this year is uh I went for 
1955, Guys and Dolls. It's a classic. Oh, it's a you, were in, you were in that, man. I was in that at school. And, I know you were uh, awesome at it. Yeah, I had a passionate... Thanks, man. I had a passion... I had a bit of a passionate sort of little love affair. Probably a bit like Martin, but probably loved it more than hated it. And uh, I got involved with that first college production. Mm. I, was only, I was only in the choir. I didn't have a lead role or anything. And uh, it was... It was brilliant because it got me into performing musicals it got me into learning words and learning lyrics and it got me into there's a lot of lyrics to learn in a musical it's a, a production mm -hmm. uh, so it got me into performing on a stage as a young guy uh, which was great as an outlet to perform which i now understand as an old guy that just is part of my soul and i've got to perform and that was a good way to do it. So musicals are, I think they're awesome. They're really good. And um, I feel like I'm trying to sell it to everyone. But no, you got to you got to meet heaps of girls through that. You meet heaps of girls. You know, there's there's the the musicals are great. Guys and Dolls has got the um, fantastic cast. It's got um, who's it got in it? Frank Sinatra, Marlon Brando, Holy and. Holy. Yeah, they're, they're the main ones. It's, a, yeah. it's quite it's quite rare because uh, Marlon Brando's part in the musical, uh, and they turned it into a film as well. He can't, he can't, he couldn't really sing, and they they were going to overdub all his parts. But actually, in the end cut, they decided to keep him in there and just do Good. it. And it's I think it's just a it's just a little bit of. Um, Beauty. So I'm going to give you a snippet of a, a song off there called Fugue and Tin Horns. And a fugue is when you have different vocal things going on. And this, this is what I like about some musicals. You can get sometimes like these, um, you know, three, four, five part, not necessarily harmonies, but thing vocals doing different things. And uh, I find them interesting, musically interesting. So the, are they like sort of characters' point of view sort of all, they're all mm. talking similar. Yeah, so you have one purposes. You have one song. One guy will start it. Another guy will start singing another bit of a something else of another song. Another guy will join it. They're all singing the same song mm. with three mm. different songs. Very clever. So get your ears around this and uh, see what you think. I'm just gonna have to go onto here and shahir, shahir. The love, here we go. Computer audio. Yeah, a little bit of guys and dolls. Here we go, boys. Right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do. This guy says the horse can do, if he says the horse can do, can do, can do. I think in Valentine, cause on the morning line, the guy has got him bigger than five to nine. But has it epitaph, he wins it by a half. But do this here in the telegraph. But for a beer I'll fight, I hear his foot's all right. Of course it all depends if it's red last night. I know it's Valentine, the morning works look fine. You know the jockeys, brothers are a friend of mine. And just a minute, boys, I got the feedbox noise. It says the great grandfather was I told you, Paul, there you go. So that's that's a bit of a fugue for you guys. So you got 
yeah, three three guys singing about three different horses in one song. And, yeah, and I love must it. Be hard, eh? It's super hard, and uh, it, it really. And I think musically, from a musical point of view, when you listen to or watch musicals and stuff, it's nice to see different things happening. I find it stimulates my brain. I've mm-hmm. got to concentrate and watch. And then not on top on top of that, you know, you're going back to 1955, where those guys used to do all everything, right? They used to dance, sing act all in one package man those guys were talented so yeah guys and dolls that's the, the second song i chose was actually i didn't go for the main song it's got a couple of hits on there had luck be a lady tonight oh, yeah. big frank sinatra song mm-hmm. guys and dolls itself big sinatra song i actually chose the marlon brando song on there and uh the the Fabulous. love song yeah, the love song that he does. And I'll give you a snippet of that now. Fab. And Marlon Brando for me in this movie is just, I think he's, he's just fantastic. Sinatra is obviously the voice and all the way through his singing is amazing. Brando, Brandon is not the singer, but the actor. So you have a real lovely fusion you know <laughs> it's really great i think whoever chose them was was very clever so here is marlon brando brandon gonna sing you a love song suddenly i know when my love comes along i know then and I know at the sight of her face How I care, how I care, how I care And I'll stop and I'll stare And I'll know long before we can speak I'll know in my heart I'll know Am I right? Am I wise? Am I smart? But I'll stop and I'll stare. Marlon Brando, just, just amazing. And I think, I just think that that whole song is just beautiful. I think it's a beautiful love song. And, you know, you get the glitzy musicals and the the sort of shitty wishy-washy ones. I love going back to stuff like Singing in the Rain, Guys and Dolls. There's some beautiful scores and musics in there. Mm. Um, and I love I those the old uh, Doris Day ones. I, I can remember my mum watching those. Yes. Like, you know, and the, the, yeah, again, like the scores and stuff are just phenomenal. And, <sighs> and obviously the voices. Who sings that song? Case yeah. Sarah, Sarah, whatever yeah. will be, will be. Yeah. I that, don't that, know who sings it. Like, listen to that sort of yeah. stuff. I remember. That's actually yeah. from a Hitchcock movie. That's from Darling for Murder, believe it. Oh, really? is it really? Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, yeah, uh, Calamity Jane and and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember watching one of those as a kid. Yeah, and, and not yeah. not really hating them, but you know, weren't my thing. There are some I, there are some crackers. You, you got Fiddler on the Roof, all that jazz. <laughs> West Side Story, these are all amazing um, 
things. Chicago, the score in Chicago's just the songs are. If you've seen the Catherine Zeta Jones movie of Chicago, have you watched that? No. Watch it. I I grew up with a lot. I grew up with a lot of um, Barbara Streisand. Mum was a huge fan of Bubs. Yeah. And and uh, so many of the show tunes uh, and compilations that we listened to. I remember there was always that classic one. I think it's from We Side Story um, somewhere or some, yeah, and it's this massive, huge production. <laughs> and it's an amazing song. Yeah, so I grew up with lots of those. Um, so mm. probably, I probably listened to them as more songs than actually going to the musicals on knowing them, probably the old mm. cassette. Yeah. So I think that's... Oh, sorry, Matt. Yeah, I think the art, the art form has kind of got lost a little bit. <laughs> we were just talking about this before we kind of came on. Um, but, you know, now it seems to be like a movie comes out and within like five years it's a musical. And, you know, I think things like, you know, Mamma Mia and, you know, you were talking about like actors who can't sing. Oh, my God, Mamma Mia has the worst one ever, right, with Pierce Brosnan doing Fernando or whatever it is he sings in that. Oh. Just horrible. Just truly horrible. Like it shouldn't should have, it should be R rated because of that. Um, but yeah, they've just kind of become. It's almost like oversaturated now in terms of like what's out there. But you know those classic ones as mm. we've mentioned, absolutely. You know, I think you know coming up with like an original idea for a musical, I think is is very very hard. And um, they ought to be. Yeah, those are the kind of things I would like to see back on stage. You know. I, I, I've got a lot of time for the classic ones, as I said before. Um, so I'm quite, I'm probably more partial to the older ones. I mean, in the break, we saw that the last Starfighter had been turned into a musical, and I'm like, what? I don't want to mm. see that. I'd rather go well, see Guys and Dolls or Forty Second Street yeah. or a classic one. Um, it was, yeah, there was an era, wasn't there, where it was they were writing specific musicals and yeah they were fantastic you know um well the Fa phantom is based off a novel that's right not a movie it's not based off a no 1930s mm. novel that yeah. you thought might be quite good to try and bring to stage you know which kind so of it's interesting that like my exposure to a lot of musicals has actually been through the movie adaptions mm. you know? oh, yeah. mm -hmm. more okay, slightly because like, as, as kids and growing up stuff we never really went to the theater and did a musical mm. we'd go and see a play from time to time or a pantomime or something like that but not a musical um mm. so um yeah it's interesting like you know getting that comparison well the lion king is a I'd... huge one isn't it lion king is a yeah oh yeah massive. That, that's massive yeah i tend to sway to the older ones and i think that's Again, from a musical point of view, because when I get involved with musicals, and I've done a few, but when I watch them and get involved, because I like to get involved just watching it, and when I do that, I, I really have my ears wide open, because um, especially for the older stuff, they're more classic stuff. Mm. Um, you know, you might have that sort of, I don't know, Grease, for example. I got chills, they're multiplying, and he's singing away, screaming, you're the one and I want, you know proper pop song and then you have something like your guys and dolls what like the marlon brando one there and he's it's very model you know that kind of da 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 beautiful 
they're like the Phantom, you know? Yeah. That one does sound very similar. Yours and Glenn sound very similar. You could date, you could totally date, and you could go, right, that is this period here, maybe 40s, 50s, right? And it sounds like it. Same with the melodic, very melodic, hey? Yeah, and just the orchestrations and, and the way that the arrangements are done. Um, so I think anyway, that wraps up the kind of the show. Um, thank you very much. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. You. You're welcome. And um, I would, well, so we're back in with the show. So, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> on, on behalf of uh, myself and the boys, David, Martin and Glenn, and long live Motown and musicals.